Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Blake Adams, VP of Marketing at Florence, a platform that helps streamline operations for clinical trials. Blake, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, Jeremy, thanks so much for the invite and, and glad to be here today. So tell us about the company. Yeah, for sure. So we're about a six-year-old, seven-year-old company now. I joined around four years ago. And uh, what we do is build software that enables clinical research and clinical trial operations. A great example is, you know, Pfizer used our platform for the recent COVID studies mm. to roll out their their vaccine globally. And we worked with their sites in, in several dozen countries around the world. Uh, and so we're growing really fast. We've grown. I joined as employee number eight back in 2017. We're at 140 employees now. So growing really fast here, here at Florence and uh, really excited for the next phase of our growth. That's awesome. That, that That's really cool that you guys played a role in the vaccine rollout. I mean, that's just been one of the great scientific achievements for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I kid a little bit, Jeremy, where I went to family get togethers pre-COVID and I would talk about clinical research and clinical trials and nobody had any clue what I was talking about. OK, cool. Yeah. Phase one, phase two trial. Uh, and now I go to family dinners and talk a little bit. And there's a there's at least some common knowledge of what a clinical trial is now and how it works and some of the phases in mm -hmm. that process. So it's been it's one of those things where there's been some some benefits that clinical research has really grown up the last year and a half into something that's more of a household name versus, you know, the average only three percent of eligible patients typically participate in research. And so this is kind of, I think, opening up some new avenues for research, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. And I, I think obviously you're totally right. Most people don't really know what a clinical trial is or how it works. And I think even most people in marketing, unless you're in a field that relates to it, wouldn't know like who, who does that? You know, who are the decision makers? So tell us about that. Who's the audience you're trying to engage? Who are the decision makers you need to talk to? For sure. So it's a it's a wide range. In any clinical trial, there's several stakeholders. On one end, you have what's called sponsors. So those are the pharmaceutical medical device companies. We probably all know the names, AbbVie, Pfizer, Eli yeah. Lilly, those kind of companies. And they typically have some kind of medicine or drug or medical device they're wanting to test and conduct a clinical trial on. So they sponsor the trial, and we work with those organizations, uh, typically somebody in clinops or clinical operations. And they work with then clinical trial sites. So an average trial could run for five to seven years. And through that process, they're going to work with hundreds of trial sites around the globe to get the diversity they need for a clinical trial. And then at those trial sites, they're working with doctors, nurses, clinical research developers who are focused on the admin side of operations. And so we kind of talked to both of those stakeholders. And the, the third most important stakeholder, which we're just starting to build software for this area, is the actual patient or participant in the clinical trial. So the mm. person that's actually enrolling in the clinical trial. We've we've kind of been on the operational side uh, up until this point in Florence's history, but we're starting to to tap into that that patient side with some of our technology we're launching. And so that just changes the game again and how you talk about your solution set to a highly educated market that's a doctor, nurse, person that knows clinical trials, mm -hmm. now through a patient who maybe has just been diagnosed with cancer and is enrolling in their first clinical trial because it's a, a terminal disease. And so how do you market and talk to those kind of people differently is something that we're walking through right now. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what our, what our landscape mm -hmm. looks like. Okay. Interesting. So different audiences, different set of challenges. So let's focus on your current audiences and the challenges you face there doctors, nurses, those decision makers, what do you need to do? What, what does it take to get through to them and, and really get good engagement? 
a couple things. One is limited time is what they have. They have limited time. And that was a weird way to say it. They have limited time because they're <laughs> doctors and nurses, right? So their eight hour days or 10 hour days or 12 hours days are typically in a room with a patient seeing that patient. And so their admin work gets done in the afternoon, evening, Friday nights. Oddly enough, just for those in healthcare, our highest open rates are Friday nights at eight o'clock PM wow. because that's when doctors and nurses are catching up on all of their admin work, right? And so it's a different kind of mentality of when they're engaging in community or when they're engaging in our in our messaging. Uh, so that's one of the big areas. It's just a time factor. Mm -hmm. The second big area is, you know, it's a wide range of expertise. So you have doctors we're talking to who are highly trained oncology surgeons who are in our in our platform all the way through. Uh, a regulatory administrator who knows the the laws and the letters of the law that knows how to make sure the clinical trial doesn't run afoul of the FDA. And so being able to kind of talk to that diverse group that all are stakeholders in, in making a decision. And then also are all involved in our community. We're really big about community, which I know we'll dive into. And so we're trying yeah. to figure out how to connect dots between those different stakeholders. Okay. So yeah, let, let's talk about that community. So what are your strategies and how does creating a community fit into that? Absolutely. So, you know, the, the folks in our area, everybody got into it and, and everybody you talk to because they really care about finding cures or advancing cures. And so that's what's different with Florence than any other company I've worked for. You know, my previous company was more in the payment side of, of the industry. And, and most of the people that you went to events and, and trade shows for, you know, they wanted to know how to save a dollar on the next transaction. In this space, they're really passionate, the ones we work with, about seeing cures taken to market and seeing people helped with, with that. And so there's a natural tendency towards collaboration. You, you don't mm -hmm. see as much, especially at the healthcare side on the, on the research site side, mm -hmm. you don't see as much competition because somebody at a, a university medical center in Atlanta has the same goals as somebody at a university medical center in Nashville. Mm. And they're willing to collaborate to figure out how to advance their research operations through technology. And so there's a less of a competitive nature when you get to the research sites, which naturally fosters community. And so for us, the big thing we're working on is fostering community amongst those research sites. So hospital health systems, university, academic medical centers globally, we serve about 37 countries now. And so how do we build connections between those? And then on the other side of that, how do we build connections between research sites and those pharmaceutical medical device companies so they can collaborate on challenges? Historically, clinical research has been a very top-down approach. You know, a major pharma company mm -hmm. launches a clinical trial. They send out some software and some documents for the research sites and say, hey, go have fun. Give us the documents. Here's what you need to do. Technology has really allowed that to start becoming a collaborative approach to clinical research. And so we are kind of at a cool place of sitting in the middle of that. Around 50% of our 30,000 users are research sites and around 50% are in that sponsor space. And so how can we build community between those two halves of the coin? And so how do you actually do that? What, what, what do you guys actually do to help put people in touch and build that community? Yeah, for sure. So a couple things, and we're, we are early in our community journey. We just hired a head of community actually here a couple of weeks ago at Florence. And so she's really focused on building out our, I guess, the individual touch points within community. But up until this point, what we've really been focused on are connecting them through events or mm. through, you know, virtual roundtables or our executive customer advisory boards are really great. We bring typically around eight to 12 of our executive leaders from research sites eight to 12 of our executive leaders from pharma. 
and bring them together for a two-day retreat to really just talk mm-hmm. about the biggest challenges they're facing. And they all give us feedback. Hey, we've never had this opportunity before, mm-hmm. right, to, to talk cross-collaboratively amongst the sites and the sponsors. And so for us, it's been all about building opportunities for engagement that they typically don't have. And that's been a big area of ours and really focusing on that. You know, we are, you know, there's a great book called AHA by, I believe Beth Cunningham wrote the book. And it's, you know, there's three types of companies. There's missionaries, there's mechanics, and there's mother mothers. And we really fit in that mother category where everything we do is for the customer and mm-hmm. we focus on the customer needs. And so building a community is a natural extension of that. Yeah, right. And so how does that translate into you guys growing your business? A couple things. Obviously, the the just get into the the business side of it, right? Is referral and advocacy is a strong thing in this space, as you can imagine, and as you know, there's key opinion leaders in healthcare networks, and and doctors trust other doctors, right? And so, if we can build that key opinion leader network via our community that that talks about how great this technology is in their day to day operations, that's a big win for us. And so, what, when we're building, when we talk about community. We are both referring to our our existing user base, so the 30,000 users on our tool, but we really care more about how do we connect the broader research community. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a very narrow vertical. We, we don't sell outside of, of clinical research. Mm-hmm. And so while that's sometimes a limiting, frustrating factor for, for a marketer that likes growth, yeah. it's also a really great thing because we can concentrate and, and really build out. There's a there's a limited TAM, right? Where there's a limited number of pharma companies, there's a limited number of hospital health systems. And so it gives us an opportunity to really think about how to foster those relationships. And so yeah, referral advocacy is a big thing for us. And then the other big thing for us, you know, again, giving all our secrets away here, Jeremy, is kind of building that moat strategy, right? Where if we can get users getting more from Florence than just our technology, but they're also getting best practices or ideas, mm-hmm. or they're getting a sense of belonging. They're less likely to to leave us for somebody else, right? Like, oh, I'm getting more than just a good software. So if another software comes along that's as good, which we don't think there is, but if they come along and there's another software, they're going to say, yeah, but I would lose access to this community that I have a deep relationship with. So there's kind of that moat strategy and there's mm-hmm. the referral strategy. Yeah. And clearly the strategy seems to be working because as you described, you guys are growing quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we were, it's, it's crazy to see Jeremy. We're pumped for that. So that is awesome. So now you guys have a podcast called the next phase. So what role um, has the podcast played in helping you build community and, and, and ultimately helping you grow the business? Absolutely. You know, it's been one of the strongest things we've had. And it's one of those things where thankfully my CEO, who who gives me the budget, right, believed in it from day one. So I know some CMOs or heads of marketing have to fight that battle of like, yeah. it's not going to deliver results tomorrow. And that's been an okay thing in our instance. So I was I had a little easier road to get it to get it, I guess, bought into from the from the team. But now we're about 14, 15 episodes in. And it's been just incredible for a couple of reasons. One is we have been able to connect with with decision makers that typically would not connect with us, right? Like a salesperson reaching out, no offense to my sales team, but a salesperson reaching out and saying, hey, we want to talk to you about this great software. You know, you're maybe getting 15% response rates. Yeah. When we send an email or a LinkedIn note that says, hey, I would love to have you as a guest on this podcast. Here's the other six guests we've had recently. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get 80 to 90% responses on that typically. Wow. And so it's a really great relationship builder for us in one area. The second area is it's open doors for our company to be a thought leader in the space. And I know that's a buzzword that sometimes I hate, but anyway, is that thought leader in the space where we now are 
are getting invited to speak at conferences or we're getting mm. to invited to speak at, at webinars, which typically we would have paid $30,000, right, for a speaking mm. opportunity at this conference. Now we're getting to go speak in, in a panel or a keynote or a whatever discussion. Again, not talking about Florence's capabilities, but but talking about some of the thoughts and ideas yeah. we've had through these uh, interactions. And that's been really powerful for us. So I think those two things have been really strong on our end. Wow, that's awesome. And you say you're only about 15 episodes in, so the podcast is still kind of brand new. And already it's you're reaping a lot of benefits. It's pretty great. Yeah, I think Jeremy is an example. You know, two two or three of the last seven or eight guests I've had have been senior decision makers at, at major pharma companies. And and two or three of them have, have reached out to me after the podcast and said, hey, Blake, we, we'd really like to talk to you about your technology and see if we could integrate it in our systems. Right. So mm -hmm. it wasn't the purpose. And, you know, we never on the podcast said, hey, we'd love to talk to you about our tech. But to have them reach out a week later and say, hey, we want to connect with you about about using some of your technology. Can you give me a, a, a contact to, to set up a demo? Right. That's a cool win for our sales team to see the benefit of that. So that, that that's a great win. And I mean, really, like you said, that's one of the main purposes of the podcast to drive revenue through building thought leadership and so on. And, and, it, and it really works. That, that's really cool. It does. It does. And, and I think the key there, as you've said, is that the podcast is not about you. It's not an opportunity for you to tout how great you guys are and look at our software. It's all about the guests and the larger community, right? I would be a, probably safe to say, Jeremy, that 90% of the people listening to the podcast have no idea that Florence is who it is or, or what we are, right? Other than me saying, mm -hmm. hey, I'm Blake, I'm the host and I'm a VP of marketing at Florence. That's the only promo we do for Florence, right? Um, and so it's been really cool to be able to, to dive into these. And it's people who, you know, and I think this is the other tip I would give those, especially in our space and, and probably others. A lot of the people we talk to, they can't talk on behalf of their company, right? So they, mm -hmm. they can't represent... X, Y, and Z pharma company without yeah. going through 15 layers of approval. Right. And so it's really nice that when we reach out to them, we say, hey, we want to hear about your experience. We want to hear about your journey. We want to hear about what you're doing and your thoughts. We don't need to talk about your company because then they have to get it all approved by their PR team, which can take yeah. six months of red tape. And so that's been the other thing that's been really helpful is really focusing on the individual's journey, what they're doing and how they're doing. It has allowed us to, to reach guests that we would never would have reached otherwise. Mm-hmm. And, and and the proof that it works is what you just described. You're actually getting some some real interest in this, not just interest in being on the podcast, but after that, hey, tell us about you guys. What what is tell us about your software? We want to learn more. And it's it's really fascinating to me that there's just been such a sea change over the last, I don't know, at least decade, maybe a couple of decades in marketing that almost a complete reversal. Right, the assumption used to be. Well, of course, you talk about your products and here's what we do and aren't we great? And it's completely flipped. Like, no, no, don't talk about yourself. It's <laughs> all about the people you want to connect with and just what do they need? Serve them. And then it will rebound yep. to you. That it's, it's, like a uh, Jeremy, that. it's like a 180 reversal and it, and it works. You know, and I think on that same note, the other reversal I've seen, and maybe it's not quite a reversal, but, you know, we went through this paradigm shift maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, where it was everything's measured and everything's attributed and everything mm. is tracked down to the dollar, right? And and I think now we're not going all the way back to the other end of, you know, we're not going to know where, where marketing is making impact, but things like a podcast, right? It's very hard to measure the like independent detail of, I know exactly, you know, a Google ad, I can measure that impact right. within a day. A podcast, you can't measure the impact within a day. And I think we're getting back to that 
that pendulum swing where, hey, we do have to be as a marketing leader doing both the demand gen side of things of those measurable things and the brand building demand gen side of things, which is mm -hmm. really creating. A, and I, I like to say to my team, you know, our job is to create an environment where we can operate. Right. And so we need mm -hmm. to make sure that the market is nurtured for us to be able to do the more demand gen activities because just showing up with an ad without having this environment that's willing to accept the ad is not going to be beneficial. Right. And so yeah. I, I love that the, the market and the pendulum is swinging a little bit back towards we don't have to measure every single thing that happens. So, yeah, right. And that seems like a good like a good correction that obviously the data still matter and always will. Right. Very powerful. Yeah. But there's just the human connection side of the equation, having conversations with people in a non salesy context, getting to know people and building trust. I mean, that that is equally important and is always going to be. And if you can marry those two things and have a good balance, then you're in, you're in a good place. Yeah, I love that, Jeremy. It's it's so important. And I'm a data person, right? I, my background is engineering and I love mm -hmm. data and I love numbers. And so I, I love that we're also in that business of being able to measure what we can measure. Um, but yeah, this the art is marrying that art and science, right? It's like, how yep. do you measure or marry the art side of marketing with the science side of marketing? Because you can't be an effective marketing leader without knowing the science side. But I argue you probably can't be an effective leader without the art side as well. Yeah, I mean, there, there are flesh and blood human beings behind that data right? Exactly right. Okay. So final thoughts, what's something you've learned over the past few years that our listeners could use to better engage their audiences? I think, Jeremy, you kind of hit it, which is make it about them. You know, it's, it's so easy on the marketing side to just tout who you are, your benefits, how you're going to help, how you're going to do these things versus really spending time understanding the people you're engaging with, the the tribe that you're trying to connect with, you know, how are you, how are you being a, an active contributor to that tribe? And, th and that may not be that they need to buy your software, right? If you're in, in tech sales or if you're in services, it may not be that they need to buy your services today. So how are you creating value for that, for that group of people that extends beyond just trying to get them to convert into a customer. And so I think for me, that's the biggest thing, listening and, and really being engaged in your in your community or your tribe or your group as, as you're looking at how to think about the growth. Yeah, I love that. It's sort of like a, a servant model of, of marketing and sales, right? In the mindset of we're here to serve others. And that's really what it's all about. Yeah, exactly about. right. Exactly right. Uh, that's that servant side, servant leadership, I guess, is kind of a buzzword from from earlier. But uh, yeah, really being in that servant mindset. And, you know, even at, we we go to a lot of events and industry events in our space. And, you know, for us, getting a bunch of business cards and leads is not we don't we I mean, yes, of course, we want to do that. I would be I would be sure. lying to say we don't want to do that. But I think for us, when we come back from an event, the win is, wow, we engaged the community that we care about. And we had some great dinners and we had some great conversations. And yeah, we didn't come back with 15 billion dollars of leads. Right. But we came back knowing that we've really furthered at fostering our community. And, and that ends up always leading to wins down the road. So, yeah. so we're really excited by that. You planted those seeds and now you can cultivate them and let things develop a little more organically, right? Yeah, awesome. for sure. Well, Blake, thank you so much. Great insights. And yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, Jeremy, thank you as well for having me on today. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. 
You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.